Canadian radio station Amp Radio in Calgary caused a lot of buzz with a promotion called Bank It or Burn It, which asked listeners to vote whether they should hashtag bank $5,000 and give it to a listener or hashtag burn the money, literally. By a slight majority, the option to hashtag burn was the victor, and Amp Radio burned $5,000 cash and put it on YouTube. My name's Moxie, and this is your Brain on Facts. Radio stunts and their shifty cousin radio hoaxes have been with us since pretty much the beginning. Orson Welles' 1938 War of the Worlds, for example, caused widespread panic among listeners, though not as much panic as the newspapers reported. They were fearful of the competition of the emerging radio technology. It's a favored marketing tool to gain listeners and advertising sponsors. The fallout can range from disappointment to embarrassment to property damage, crimes against the person, and even some deaths. You might recall the incident in California in 2007, where a contest called Hold Your Wee for a Wee had contestants drink a large volume of water and the last person to go to the bathroom would win the video game console and it resulted in a woman's death from acute water intoxication. New Yorkers are unlikely to forget the day shock jocks Opie and Anthony finally went too far with a contest that encouraged people to have sex in public, with one couple opting to have their dalliance in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Today's topic was voted on by our supporters at patreon.com slash yourbrainonfacts, including our newest member, Paul D. and Pigeon, and our All That and Brains 2 supporters, David N. and Emication Likely, who just got a bonus mini-episode dealing specifically with radio pranks, while I struggle, and struggle it is, to confine the main episode to just promotions and contests. The pranks go way, way worse. Patrons also get early ad-free episodes, but you can get a glimpse of the next week's show and what hanging out in my booth is like by following me on TikTok at Moxie Labouche. I've started live streaming some of the recording process, and by started I mean like this will be the second time. There's nothing new under the sun, and that applies to radio contests as much as anything else in life. Take Radio Luxembourg and the Ice Block Expedition of 1958. The challenge? To transport three metric tons of ice from the Arctic Circle to the equator without the benefit of any form of refrigeration. The prize was set at about a million bucks per ton in today's money per kilo of ice that made it to its destination as a solid. Radio Luxembourg felt that they could put their money where their mouth was, since who could transport ice that far without refrigeration? The contest drew markedly fewer hopefuls than your average, say the phrase that pays call-in, but the Norwegian company Glasvat took them up on it, a company that produced fiberglass insulation, incidentally, and is still in business today. 200 kilo blocks of ice were cut out of the Svartisen glacier, flown to the nearest town, and melted together to a single 3,050 kilogram block of ice. It was then wrapped in the company's signature glass wool and placed in an iron container on a truck donated by the Scania company and fueled with gas donated by Shell. 
This was an opportunity for publicity for everyone involved, not just the radio station. Together with a film crew and a van full of equipment, the expedition set off from the Norwegian city of Moirana on February 22, 1959, stopping in Oslo to pick up over 600 pounds or 300 kilos of medicine to schlep along to a hospital in Gabon. Because when else were they going to have that much cold storage going that way? They made stops in Sweden, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, France, which was comparatively easy, before moving on to Algeria, Niger, and finally Gabon. That's when things got a little tough. Not a lot of paved roads across the desert. Plus, Algeria was in the middle of a civil war for independence from France. Getting stuck in the sand was a frequent occurrence that would cost them hours of digging out time in the 120-degree freedom, 50-degree Celsius heat. And, ironically, their supply of water was very limited. It took a month and a day, but they did it. The giant block of ice had only lost 11% of its weight to melting. So even if Radio Luxembourg didn't prorate for partial tons, Glassvot was still looking to collect about the equivalent of $2 million. Except Radio Luxembourg had withdrawn the offer. When an insulation company stepped up to their move ice without refrigeration challenge, Radio Luxembourg got cold feet, no pun intended. The cancellation wasn't the jerk move it sounded like, though. They actually called it off before Glassvot set out. Glassvot decided to go on anyway, because even without the prize, it still seemed like good publicity. And that's really the name of the game here, the whole reason radio stations do these things. It's the oral equivalent of butts in seats. You've got to entice the public to listen to your station over all their other entertainment options. They can be cheaply run, these contests. Folks my age probably won a bumper sticker somewhere along the way, which cost the station very little, or some concert tickets, which often cost the station nothing at all since they came from the promoter. But a constant need for contests means you've got to keep them interesting while not blowing through your promotions budget. This leads some DJs to get creative, and not in a good way. Oh, and a word about the word DJ. My mom would prefer that I refer to them as on-air radio personalities, such as when I reference her background in FM radio in New York and Florida in the 70s, because these days, DJ means Skrillex types. But I can't be asked, so for today, they're all DJs. In 2005, a Bakersfield, California station announced that they were giving away a Hummer to the person who could correctly guess the number of miles that the two Hummers the station had had supposedly been driven around town during the course of a week. The answer was 103.9, the same as the radio station's frequency, which one Shannon Castillo cleverly guessed. She must have been on cloud nine to have won herself a $60,000 vehicle, which, if I were her, I would immediately sell because it would cost $60,000 in gas per year. So you can imagine her disappointment when she went to collect her prize and was handed a remote-control car. Castillo hired an attorney, and I don't blame her, who pointed out that the station had indicated the vehicle had 22-inch rims. So either they were saying it was a real vehicle or that was one jacked-up RC car. 
Castillo sued the station for $60,000. But as often happens, lots of news outlets carried the initial story about the lawsuit, but nobody cared to report how it came out. That's my research bugbear. Well, one. One of them. One of many. And it's bugbear. <laughs> this is a pet peeve of mine, not bugaboo. I was at a voiceover conference and one of the speakers on stage referred to something that bothers her routinely or routinely calls her difficulty, causes her difficulty as a bugaboo. Bugaboo is your little sweet baby boo. It's like a child or your partner. Bugbear is a bad thing. A similar but 166% worse frustration was felt that same year by Narisha Gill, a Kentucky woman who was the lucky 10th caller in a contest to win 100 grand. This was going to be life-changing for her. She told her kids how they were finally going to buy a home of their own and have some financial stability. So she probably saw red when she turned up at the station to collect her prize, only to be handed a hundred grand candy bar. Now look, I like caramel Rice Krispies and chocolate as much as the next person. Probably more than a lot of next persons. But I totally agree with Gill suing the radio station for 100000 actual dollars. Pulling the wool over people's eyes isn't only mean-spirited, it can also land you in a heap of trouble. You can't say, it was just a joke, bro, and go about your business. A Florida Hooters, not a radio station I grant you, but I'm on a roll, learned that lesson in 2001 when they held a contest among their wait staff for number of drinks sold, with the prize being a Toyota. The winner was blindfolded and led out into the parking lot to discover her new Toyota was a toy Yoda, a foot-tall figure of the puppet from Star Wars. She quit and sued the owners of the franchise, settling out of court a year later. Radio stations operate under the auspices of the Federal Communications Commission, and they have some pretty firm opinions about what shenanigans you can get up to if you want to do it on the broadcast airwaves. The rules require a radio station fully and accurately disclose the material terms, aka the relevant details of the contest, which cannot be deceptive, misleading, or patently false, and then to follow through with those terms. If you're talking about a contest on the air, you have to give the material terms on the air. It's not good enough to say, we're giving away a hundred grand, see the website for more info, and on the website you admit that it's a candy bar. No sir, ain't gonna happen, Captain. No claiming it was just a joke if you made it sound like a legit contest. The FCC fined a Kansas station $4,000 for failing to announce all material terms of a contest, even though it was on their website, and for failure to comply with the terms for their Santa's Sack contest. Listeners were to call in and guess what was in Santa's sack, and then you'd win the contents of the sack plus a teddy bear. Seems simple enough. A listener who guessed that the sack held $1,000 was told she was wrong, but the next day, she heard someone else guess $1,000, and that person was proclaimed the winner. The first caller complained to the station, and when that got her nowhere, filed a complaint with the FCC. With the feds breathing down their necks. Don't forget, the FCC isn't just about issuing fines. They can yank your broadcast license. The radio station claimed it was an innocent mix-up among the staff, 
some of whom included the value of the $10 teddy bear and some of whom didn't, and that the rules were on the website for people to read. The radio station then sent a check for $1,000 to the complainant, meaning they were out $5,000 over a $10 teddy bear and for want of a memo. The FCC issued KDKA in Pennsylvania with a Notice of Apparent Liability for Forfeiture, a scary-sounding document that says, Look what you did. I should take away your license for that. On Thanksgiving Day 2007, a DJ, I assume bored or annoyed at having to work a holiday, said that he'd give away $1 million to the 13th caller, and he'd do that once an hour. A listener called and was told he was the lucky 13th caller and then was placed on hold for 43 minutes. I would definitely hold for a long time if somebody told me I was going to win a million dollars, before finally being put through to the DJ and immediately hung up on. The station claimed that the on-air contest rules did not apply here because listeners should have realized it was just a joke. The FCC disagreed, since the DJ never said anything to indicate he wasn't serious, at one point saying this was the real deal, and he announced the contest several times during his three-hour show. After finding that the on-air contest rules applied, the FCC smited them. Smited? Smote. It's not smitten, I know that. For the tag team of failure to announce the material terms and failure to comply with said terms, i.e. pony up the dough, and find the station $6,000. A Los Angeles station got their own notice of apparent liability for forfeiture and $6,000 fine after they held a contest online with a drawing for tickets to the musical Les Miserables. Their website said the contest would run from 3.50 p.m. on May 29th to 8.50 p.m. on June 2nd. That is really specific. A listener complained to the FCC after the station awarded the prize to three people at only 3 p.m. Your man must have really wanted to see Les Mis. The radio station responded that the on-air contest rules didn't apply to this contest because the contest was exclusively online. The FCC disagreed. The rules apply to all contests conducted by the licensee and broadcast to the public, and since the radio station had announced the contest several times on air and told listeners who entered the contest to stay tuned, it was an on-air contest. You don't necessarily need the FCC in your stable to hold a radio station's feet to the fire. Just ask the folks at Singapore's Gold 905 after their big money game, the Celebrity Name Drop. They made a montage of 14 celebrity voices edited so that each celebrity said one word of Gold 905, the station that sounds good and makes you feel good. I couldn't find a clip of it, but if you can, hit me up on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Your Brain on Facts, Twitter, Brain on Facts Pod, TikTok, Moxie Labouche, or post it on our Facebook group, The Brainiac Break Room, or our subreddit, both of which you can reach through yourbrainonfacts.com social. To win $10,000, the caller had to correctly identify each voice in order. It took a skilled ear, as well as listening out for other people's right and wrong guesses. Muhammad Shalahan 
thought he had it after a month of puzzling and repeatedly trying to get through the phone lines. But when he read his list of names, the DJ said he got one wrong. A few weeks later, Gold905 declared they had their winner, one Jerome Tan, and that was a wrap. Listeners jumped on the station's Facebook page, pointing out that Shellahan had given the right answer more than two weeks ago. MediaCorp, the station's parent company, said that Shellahan's attempt was invalidated because he failed to pronounce the celebrity names accurately, specifically that of Tony Hadley of Spando Ballet. So Mohammed went to the mountain, or in this case, the internet, whereby he was able to contact Hadley's management and ask for their help. He then got a video from Hadley himself confirming that, while Muhammad Shalahan had a slight accent, he had in fact, quote, pronounced my name absolutely correctly. Armed now with some pretty bitchin' evidence, Shalahan went back to the station. After viewing Hadley's videos, MediaCorp still refused to pay out. But they offered a goodwill gesture of $5,000. By then, the online community, a barely controlled and badly tempered beast on the best of days, was having none of it, making for some long work days for the PR department. Finally, MediaCorp relented and paid Mohammed Shalahan the full $10,000. You know who else is positively brimming with actual goodwill? the folks that take the time out of their day to review the podcast or the Your Brain on Facts book. Like this review from over on Podchaser. Caitlin Morrow 92 says, I've been listening for two days and I felt the need to share. I love Moxie's vibrant personality and how she presents the facts in a fun and uplifting way, even when the topic is super heavy. I had a small freak out over episode 188, Tax and Taxonomy, while going over the tomato bit, because I had Googled tomatoes independent of the podcast like three days after the episode aired. So I took the synchronicity at face value and will be listening to Moxie until she stops making episodes. Thank you, Caitlin. And if I haven't learned my lesson by episode 192, probably beyond redemption. On the book review side of things over on Goodreads, Carrie Stauber says, I love this book just as I love the podcast. Endlessly fascinating. I read it repeatedly as I catch new things every time. I listen to the podcast episodes repeatedly as well. I consider this author a devout humanitarian and a very important voice, as well as being a source of unique and singular entertainment. And I'll be honest with everybody, I'm a... a real bad one for not script prepping and just cold reading and I read that to you guys like the first time just now out loud and thank you Carrie humanitarian is an amazing compliment I am trying to use my platform to raise underserved voices it's just sometimes I run across the the same problem that I'm trying not to perpetuate which is anything you're researching is just white males all the way down and speaking of humanitarianism, don't forget that I still have the uh, Russian warship Go F Yourself t-shirts on the TeePublic site. You can go to yourbrainonfacts.com merch. It will port you right over there. All of the money I make from those sales, as well as that much again of my own money, goes to the International Red Cross to aid the people of Ukraine. 
And now a word from our sponsors. Edgewater Hospital was once Chicago's finest until a new owner took over in the 1990s. There were some serious fraudulent things going on. There are some people there putting in the hospital that aren't sick that have never been sick. They were preying upon elderly, frail, poor people. The insurance fraud scheme turned the hospital into a butcher shop. People had these incredibly complicated invasive procedures done to them inside. It's tragic what happened. The complete series of If the Walls Could Talk is now available. If these stories haven't made you facepalm and ask, what were they thinking? I bet my mortgage one of these will. Strap in, kids. The tragic Hold Your Wee for a Wee contest wasn't the first or only radio station promotion to involve urine. In 1999, DJ Greg McFarlane of KOMP in Las Vegas was trying to think of a novel approach to give away some Motley Crue tickets. His first idea was to have contestants reenact the Pam Anderson Tommy Lee sex tape live on air. Fully clothed, of course, we wouldn't want this to be in bad taste. Idea number two make contestants drink their own urine. Y'all, this was 1999. What was the value in seeing Motley Crue in 1999? That cheese had been moldy for years. But three diehard fans actually came into the studio and promptly lost their nerve when confronted with the fact that McFarlane was 100% serious. Then, in his own words, The fourth guy walks in, pushes everyone out of the way, throws it back down like it was a Pepsi. So, concert tickets for guy number four and an empty cardboard box for McFarlane to gather his personal effects because he's been sacked. Hey, remind me to check my stats and see how many people jumped ship in the last 60 seconds or so. For those still with me, we go now to a library in Fort Worth, Texas, where the staff suddenly found themselves terrorized by crowds of people ransacking the stacks. Unbeknownst to them, but knownst to us, a KYNG DJ thought it would be a keen idea to announce that he had hidden $100 in $5 and $10 bills between pages of books in the library's fiction section. Even adjusted for inflation, we're talking about just under $200 to try to outcompete hundreds of other people for. People started climbing the bookshelves, they started climbing on each other, and books became airborne. Library spokeswoman Marcia Anderson said, adding that 3,000 books had been thrown on the floor and some ended up ripped or with broken spines. Count the books on the nearest bookcase or shelf to you. How many of those bookcases or shelves would you need to get to 3,000 books? That's a lot of damage. Do I need to specifically say that the library had an amount of heads up from the radio station and that amount was none? Or did you just assume because what librarian would ever agree to that? More than 500 people stampeded through the Fort Worth Central Library looking for the money. This wasn't a hoax. There was money hidden in the library. The station claimed it was the $100, which was the only amount they ever said it was. 
whereas a number of people in the money mob thought it was as high as $10,000. A station spokesman said the DJ was only trying to boost public interest in the library by giving away this $100, and they had no idea where people got the $10,000 idea from. That was, of course, after the fact. In the moment, it was the librarians who had to handle the situation because they couldn't get a hold of anyone at the radio station. They told the crowd the only thing that could possibly make them stop looking, that someone else had already found the money. Sometimes it's not judgment that's wobbly, it's taste, subjective as that may be. BRMB in Birmingham, England, ran a contest that would pay for the winner's wedding, which anyone less clever than my hillbilly butt getting married in my own yard both times can tell you, weddings really run into money. There was, of course, a catch. The station reserved one creative right for the wedding, since they had paid for it. The wedding had to be conducted au naturel, in the buff, nude. At a minimum, the happy couple had to be in all their glory. Don't know if there was a maximum number of naked people. The lucky couple, who won by listener vote, had been together for 11 years, attributing their long engagement in part to the cost of the wedding. Again, y'all, backyard, it's free. The station paid all the expenses and the bride and groom held up their end, as it were. Though the bride had her veil and the groom used a top hat in place of a fig leaf. Your other why-is-this-so-expensive life event comes just after the end of your life, your funeral. It costs as much as a decent used car or more, and you don't even get to enjoy it. Half of that would be handled if you won the contest offered by Radio Galaxy in Germany. They'd pay for your funeral, provided your funeral costs less than 3,000 euro and a modest one could. Listeners wrote their own epitaphs that being the words on your tombstone, like how Winston Churchill says, I am ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. But you can't have a party without a party pooper, and the radio station was hit with a lawsuit from the Association of German Undertakers. Also in Deutschland, station RTL 89.0 wanted to give away a Mini Cooper, but couldn't apparently be asked to put a lot of effort or forethought into it. They just said, pull off the most amazing stunt. Because, you know, that's safe. Whatever the other entries were paled in comparison to the stunt submitted by the eventual winner, Andreas Muller. He would have the word mini tattooed on, how to put this delicately, um, onto an appendage which most gentlemen would find distressing to have labeled mini. Well, Muller went through with it, live on the air, with a female host looking on. Can you imagine if the station reneged and refused to give him the car after that? That'd be hilarious. That kind of personal touch would have been right up the alley for the folks at WDVE Pittsburgh. Each year for the festive holiday season, they hold a Breast Christmas Ever contest. Yep, they foot the bill for breast enhancement surgery. To the surprise of absolutely no one, the event has come under fire from both 
feminist groups, and healthcare advocates who should like us to remember that a boob job is surgery, and surgery carries risk. But sometimes even the tackiest contest isn't as bad as it seems. There's always a silver lining for things if we look for it. A Calgary station did a very similar giveaway, and the winner, by popular vote, was a 19-year-old trans female listener who was quoted as saying, having breast implants would mean she wouldn't have to face so much bigotry on a daily basis. Ottawa radio station Hot 89.9 looked at all that breast stuff and said, hold my Molsons. They put on a win a baby contest. Specifically, they would pay for up to three rounds of in vitro fertilization with a dollar value cap of $35,000. The contest drew criticism like a cookout draws yellow jackets, but it wasn't without its own redemption. It brought attention to the issue of in vitro fertilization funding in Ontario just before voters headed to the polls to vote if the provincial government should be required to pay for it like they do other health care. Said Beverly Hank, executive director of the Infertility Awareness Association of Canada, the station is clearly, clearly capitalizing on vulnerable patients that are desperate to have a family. The fact that couples would turn to a radio contest at all points to what she calls a sad state of affairs for Ontario. Morning show host Jeff Mahler said the contest was intended to appeal to the station's 24 to 54-year-old demographic, but that it had become more than that, opening a dialogue about an issue that was, quote, more common than you think. Anyone who complains is lucky enough to have kids or doesn't want kids, Mahler said. Anyone in the struggle doesn't slam the contest. Well, more common than you might think means common enough that over 400 couples applied for the contest, which the station launched on Labor Day. Because, of course they did. If babies aren't your thing, how about full-grown human women? Edmonton's The Bear FM also poked the bear with their contest to win a Russian bride. The Bear partnered with an online matchmaking service that connects Russian women with foreign husbands. Problem the first, you. Problem the second, a close second. It's not uncommon for women you can meet through these services that they are being exploited. Employment and Immigration Minister Thomas Lukazuk found the contest so repulsive, he pulled his ministry's advertising from the station. The prize specifically included a free two-week trip to Russia and $500 spending money. New Zealand radio station The Rock FM sponsored their own contest in which the winner would be flown to Ukraine to pick up a ride from an agency originally called Win a Wife. When people complained, they changed it to, not a word of a lie, win a trip to beautiful Ukraine for 12 nights and meet Eastern European hot lady who maybe one day you marry. Well, does what it says on the tin. This is the same station that, when they needed a contest for Valentine's Day in 2012, sidestepped right around all that love business and instead offered to cover the costs of one couple's divorce. Fine print, you had to drop the big D bombshell live on the air. Who says romance is dead? No one who's been watching our flag means death on a binge loop for the last nine days. 
Not that I know anyone like that. It's just a hypothetical. An oddly specific hypothetical. If you're thinking to yourself, it can't get worse than that, you haven't been paying attention. Again in Canada, it's always the quiet ones. A Halifax radio station, Q104, put on its own foreign bride contest. The contest, which would send the winner to Prague, closed on March 8th, International Women's Day. The program director, J.C. Douglas, said firmly that there was no sexual connotation to the contest. The men are promised dates with women in the Czech Republic, but the station made no warranty, express or implied, as to how the dates would go. Okay, sure, but you kinda undermine that position by calling it the male, M-A-L-E, is in the Czech. C-Z-E-C-H. The male is in the Czech. And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. AMP Radio defended their actions, noting that businesses can easily spend $5,000 on marketing in a week, and the promotion had garnered a lot of talk, so burning the money was kind of the same thing as spending it. While a lot of listeners vowed to stop listening immediately, the station went on to do it again, this time with $10,000. Remember, you can always find the source links and the full script of the episode at yourbrainonfacts.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Network, along such other great shows as The Explorers Podcast, The History of the Great War, and I Know What Scares You. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and stay safe.